Welcome to the World Extreme Medicine Podcast. My name's Jen Sherman, doctor, coach, and expedition medic. If you are a paramedic, doctor, nurse, physio, or indeed anyone working in healthcare who has a curious and adventurous mind, then this is the podcast for you. Um, today, we're going to be talking about um, what it is and, and what it means to be, to be a full-time adventurer. And to explore this with me in this episode, I have the pleasure of welcoming Bex Band. Bex is an adventurer, an author, speaker, and she advocates the outdoors adventure and conservation. She's the founder of Love Her Wild, which is the UK's largest women's adventure community. And previous adventures for her have included hiking a thousand kilometers across Israel, kick scooting the length of the USA and crossing the Jordan Desert. Bex has been recognized as one of the UK's top 30 inspirational entrepreneurs and for her work advocating women in adventure she's been shortlisted for a national diversity award and in 2018 was given legacy maker status on the San Miguel alternative rich list wow welcome Bex to the podcast how are you yeah very well thank you thanks for having me that was a, that was a very good introduction <laughs> <laughs> it's a very impressive introduction yeah. picking me up a lot <laughs> But yeah, so um, I thought we'd start just dive straight in because I know that you've been um, recently working really hard on a book deadline. So I wonder if you could tell us a bit more about the book. Yeah, so uh, that's been consuming, well, I should, I was about to say it's been consuming my last months, but actually what's been consuming my last months is a baby. And second <laughs> to that has been book writing. Um, so yeah, I my book is about my first big adventure I did. You mentioned it, um, hiking the length of Israel. So it was a thousand kilometer trek um, on the Israel National Trail. It's a relatively new trail that not many people have heard of. And it was um, this absolutely phenomenal experience. I'd never done anything like it before. Uh, it completely changed my life in lots of different ways. And one of the ways it changed my life was um, launching Love Her Wild, um, the women's adventure community. And that's what my book's about. So it's a little bit um, uh, about the story, like my life before going on that trek and what kind of uh, resulted in me doing something so extreme and so out there and so out of my comfort zone. Uh, but really, it's just about what happened along the way and the changes and how that kind of gave me all the confidence I needed and all the perspective to be able to start living life a little bit on my, on my terms. Um, so I've really enjoyed writing that um, over the last uh, kind of few, I'd say a few months, but really I think I started it the first lockdown. So it's almost been a year mm. um, and, uh, you know, it's been great going off to another place and reminding myself that, you know, adventures are still out there as and when we're allowed to get out the house. Yeah, definitely. So it's really interesting because just listening to what you were saying, it very much sounds as if there was a before and an after in terms of the way things were before going to Israel and then the, the afterwards. So I wonder if you can dive into that a bit more. So what what, what motivated you to, to trek um, across Israel? Um, <laughs> so oh, it's really hard to, to think back and trying to get myself in that headspace. So I was like, what on earth was I thinking? <laughs> that I was, at the time, actually, I, had, uh, I, I was training to be a teacher and I tried lots of different careers and lots of different jobs and was just really struggling to find something that, made, that, that I was happy with, that I could get on with my life and feel um, content that I wasn't just in this turmoil, always thinking about, 
um, you know, kind of waking up and dreading to go to work or thinking about, oh, maybe I should change jobs because I'm not really happy or should I be doing more at the weekend and um, just not in a good state, really. And uh, I had changed my careers from being a, a charity fundraiser to teaching and thought, oh, maybe this is the, the career for me. And it just wasn't. I really um, struggled. I, I mean, I got through the training fine, but I just, again, wasn't enjoying it. And it wasn't what I was expecting it to be. And I just think I got to the point where I was like, something needs to change. But mostly, I just need a break. I needed a break from commuting. I needed a break from uh, having bosses uh, breathing down my neck all the time. Um, and, you know, I was getting myself in, in really bad places. It was, it was, you know, my mental health was on a roller coaster all the time, up and down. Uh, and this trek idea just came to me and I started to become quite interested in the outdoors and adventures and camping. And uh, I actually saw an article where they mentioned the Israel National Trail. My husband's uh, Israeli. Um, so I'd been to Israel a few times, but not heard of this trail before. And in a moment was like, my goodness, this is what I want to do. Uh, and the next day, well, that night I told my husband because <laughs> I realized if, if I'm going to do this, we need to do this together. And it was a big step. We'd have to, um, you know, kind of dismantle our lives, leave our jobs, uh, take a break from everything. Uh, he agreed the next day we booked the flights. And then, you know, once you've committed and you've told people, normally there's no going back. <laughs> uh, so the ball was rolling, so to speak. And it was a huge change and I'm just a completely different person to who I was before so if I think of the person I was before I think I was on a journey that wasn't mine trying to fit into a world uh, and a society that just didn't work for me and I think that's been the case since the day I was born I'd, I didn't get on well in school um, I struggled with uh, well, everything to do with school really struggled to fit in, struggled to make friends. I didn't do well in class. Um, I'm dyslexic, and uh, yeah, it just felt like everything was working against me. And then, you know, I found myself in adult life, and it was just the same story. I was struggling to to work. I was struggling to maintain motivation um, and to to just get through the turmoil of of everyday life, really. And afterwards, I think the biggest thing that adventure gave me was, uh, well, two things. One was headspace, just mm. a, a bit of breathing time to be in nature. Where I could just like, it just felt like a big sigh. <laughs> and I think it was the first time in my life where I was just myself um, waking up, uh, not caring what I put on, not having to think about I needed to be anywhere for a particular time. Um, not having to please anyone else. I just had to get up, walk, um, you know, set up camp. Most of my thinking was consumed by eating. <laughs> I became obsessed with food. It was a nice, simple existence, and it just felt like a breathing space. Um, and by the end of that trek, I feel like I had built back a lot of confidence that had uh, kind of been knocked out of me throughout my life. Uh, and afterwards, I then started to rebuild a life that was more on my terms, and I can see now how really I should have always been pursuing being my own boss 
and working for myself. Uh, I just do not fit into this nine to five structure. I get very tired um, and it comes and goes in waves. Uh, but I'm a very, people that know me were saying very like high energy. I'm a very hard worker. And sometimes I just need to sleep and I need a break and I need to step back. So um, that just works really well for me that I can wake up and I can craft my day. And if I have the energy, I work really long days and, and you know, weeks where I'm working on a project. And then I step back and take a little bit of a break. Um, and yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's been great. It's the best thing I ever did. Mm, sounds fantastic. And it's it's really interesting because it's a, it's a common theme. Um, uh, there's something in what you've just said around when you went to Israel, it was the simplicity of the days. There was a lot, it was just very stripped back externally and that allowed you headspace internally to kind of just, just relax and and kind of find your find your own way and and um you know work out uh, what your your trajectory was going to be and it's a common theme I've noticed in people who've made a bold decision ultimately to kind of do to do um something which society's telling them not to do which is step away from all of this stuff um so I wonder if we could just unpick that a little bit in that what exactly do you think changed within you through that experience? I mean, what are the, I guess, you know, the the life lessons or what are the pearls of wisdom that, that came from that journey? Yeah, and I, I think the reason why a lot of people say this is because we live in a society where it's just nonstop all the time mm. and you never get to switch off. And I kind of felt like before it's just like juggling balls and you're mm. always juggling. You never mm. like you've always got to keep an eye on the clock. You've always got to be somewhere at a specific time. There's always, um, you know, jobs to be doing. Your phone's beeping all the time. People are like pulling you in different directions. Uh, and this is life. This is the society that we build, mm. that it's busy, busy, go, go, go all the time. And then suddenly you find yourself in this adventure and uh your your tasks are just simple like you don't need to you know I was carrying two sets of clothes one set that I hiked in one set set that I slept in and wore in the evening it was so beautifully simple um just not to have to think about even what to wear that day um and the only thing I thought about was the distance that I had to cover ahead of me uh getting water getting food and that was it it was it was just basic uh and i think it was just an opportunity to see that there's a different way of life and we don't have to keep ourselves in this busy state just because uh you know society tells us we have to mm. um and i really just enjoyed stepping away from capitalism and commercialism and this just need to buy things all the time and be shopping and be changing our clothes and to be buying more possessions. Um, and it was, yeah, it was, it was wonderful. Uh, just being able to experience it a different way for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think the change was actually, I think the real change was that I just became who I was really. So mm. I, I'm not sure if it was a change so much mm. as a as a letting go. Mm. So I think before I went on that hike, I was lacking confidence and I was putting way too much energy into 
you know, thinking about social media, what I should be doing, where where my next holiday should be, um, you know, buying clothes, what I'm wearing when I go out at the weekend. Um, and when you live in, you know, if you think about how many adverts you see every day and what each of those adverts say, uh, that they're, they're each telling you that you need to be a certain way or you need to be doing something or you need to be buying something. And it's really hard to kind of work out who you are in amongst mm. all that noise. Um, but on this adventure, I could just really take time to kind of mm. work out who I was and become really comfortable with who I was and kind of distinguish between what I was chasing because that's what the world take, tells us to chase versus what I actually wanted to do with my time mm. in my life. Yeah, definitely. And and you've mentioned confidence a few times. Did that really give you the confidence to then kind of, you know, um, propel you to, to do all of what you've done over the last kind of four to five years? So um, I guess, you know, talking a little bit about that. So you came back from Israel and then what next? What happened after that? So I should say while I was doing that hike, I started a blog. Mm-hmm. Writing is something I've always wanted to do. I love writing. Um, and I stopped doing it when I was at school because I mentioned I was dyslexic mm-hmm. and I started to struggle with my schoolwork. And one thing that kept coming up was especially was my my spelling was horrendous, it still is. And my work was sometimes incomprehensible that the, the teachers couldn't read <laughs> what I was trying to say. And I actually became quite embarrassed of my work mm. and I had quite low self-esteem when it came to anything that I was producing. So I remember I used to write stories when I was younger. And I remember when I got to secondary school, I kind of stopped doing that and stopped pursuing writing. Um, and it was it was funny when I signed up to do this hike, uh, I suddenly felt like I had something interesting enough that kind of justified being allowed to have a blog, even though I'd wanted mm. one for such a long time. And it was almost like the blog's not about me. The blog's about this hike. So that's OK. I have permission to do this. So I launched a blog. And while I was hiking, each night before I go to bed, I would just use notes on my phone to type up my blog. Uh, my journal from that day and then when I got signal I would upload it with a few pictures that I'd taken and uh, as I was doing the walk it took two months to to complete this walk Um, the blog started to pick up in in popularity and more and more people were reading it and it kind of propelled me a little bit into the adventure world I don't Mm. don't know how else to describe (laughs) it but this space where there are people who are Um, making a living from adventures or inspiring Mm. others to go on adventures and there's one thing I noticed from the first day that I started to get outdoors which is that I would often be the only woman Mm. on this uh, hike we did we literally passed a handful of women um, and it was 90% men out hiking doing this trail and it was the same story in the UK and before going on the the trek I decided it would be smart and and sensible to do some courses uh, so I knew how to navigate and um, how to look after myself um, on this adventure Um, and the courses I signed up to in the UK um, again I was almost entirely the only woman Um, there'd sometimes be one other woman but usually I was on my own and this in in itself wouldn't didn't bother me except I was often treated differently And Mm. it was one of the few times in my life where I suddenly became very aware of my gender Mm. and very aware that I was treated different because I was a woman. And I just put this down to the fact that the outdoor world is so competitive, 
Mm. And it's very judgmental. And it just seems to all be built around being the first, being the fastest, going the furthest. Mm. And it felt like all the conversations were dominated by, oh, I've climbed this. No, I've climbed this. Well, I've climbed this twice as fast or I've climbed this with my eyes closed in the dark. And I just couldn't compete with it. And I didn't want to compete with it. Uh, and often I felt it made people respond in a way that they would try and knock other people to pit themselves higher. And you get this horrible kind of dynamic in groups. I really, really did hate it. Uh, and by the end of the hike, I just had this overwhelming feeling that I just wanted to continue getting outdoors. But I wanted, I, I missed being around women. I miss female mm. company. So I decided to launch uh, Love Her Wild, which is a women's adventure community. And it started off just as providing a supportive space where women could ask questions and also connect with other women to get outdoors um, or go on adventures with. And it's kind of grown from there. And now we organize our own women only adventures and have all sorts of exciting initiatives. Um, yeah, it's grown into this huge community mm -hmm. uh, that I never, yeah, never imagined it would be so big. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. And I think um, one of the things I find really inspiring about you, Bex, is all, I mean, it's in the name of your um, your blog, isn't it? The Ordinary Adventure. And it, and it alludes to what you've just said is the fact that, you see yourself as being the non-adventury type, the non-outdoorsy type. You're not from that background, but you've, you know, you took on a big adventure and you've ended up being, you know, very much in the adventure world now. And that obviously you're trying to inspire others who aren't from those type of backgrounds to just give it a go. Women really specifically to just give it a go, to just get outside, to just feel the benefits of being outside. And I think that um, that's a, uh, that's really uh, needed isn't it I think at the minute because it's there is a barrier I agree I mean that's been my experience as well if you're not a certain type you're very intimidated about trying things like even hiking a mountain you know you're kind of it just that that feels very intimidating yeah. so yeah you know um I think it's um it's it's such a um it's such an inspiring um, kind of thing to then set out to, to, to basically to um, to create. And I think one of the things also about Lover Wild, I just wanted to um, ask you a bit more about is that it's grown exponentially from when you first started it to where it is now. And and I wonder um, how that has happened. I mean, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. what you know, because it's very easy from the outside looking in to look at this community and say, whoa, this is amazing. You've created this. But I imagine there's an awful lot that went, has went on in the background to mm. create what it is you've created with everything. Mm. But I wonder with Lover Wild, I mean, what, what have been the building blocks to have made it what it is? Yeah, so it's um, we've now passed. Uh, so we have our, our main group um Facebook group which kind of the hub of the community uh where people get together and and share their adventures and ask questions but now we also have regional groups um yeah. so that women can connect with others in their local areas and we now have over 25,000 across um those groups which is is huge and yeah <laughs> I genuinely remember being excited when yeah, there was like wow. 20 women in the group and they were all chatting <laughs> and I was like oh this is exciting um yeah so never imagined it would get so big I think one of the most important things is uh, remembering what the community is about and what our ethos is. So mm. um, as you've already mentioned, I, I mean, I, I co coined my term, uh, 
the term ordinary adventurer for my blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's exactly that. I I don't come from an outdoorsy background. And when I started out, I had no idea what I'm doing. And it surprises people that now they often look at me and they think, oh, you must be this big adventurer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not true. I still uh, am afraid of the dark. I hate wild camping <laughs> on my own. <laughs> I get nervous going for hikes on my own. <laughs> um, and... Uh, yeah, I get nervous as, as nervous as the next person, and I'm not super fit. I don't. There, there's no yeah. way, you know, breaking records or or doing yeah. things, you know, especially fast or uh, and things like that. So I, I totally get it, and it and it is nerve wracking, and I hate it when people say, "Oh, but the outdoors is accessible. No one's stopping you from going <laughs> climbing that hill or that mountain." And then these are the same people who then criticize someone online mm. because they've gone for a hike and they've gone a bit out of their depth and they've had to call for help. Mm. Um, and it's so hypocritical because the outdoors can be a dangerous place. So it's important that we are careful and safe. And because of that, it makes it intimidating. It makes it really hard to take those first steps, especially mm. when people are so quick to judge Mm. Um, like if anyone wants to be put off going outdoors, just, you know, go look on forums or go look mm. on Facebook groups and you'll find people being mean and very judgmental on there. So from the beginning, I was adamant that Love Her Wild would not be a space like that. It would be a space where someone can comfortably say they made mistakes. They can comfortably say, um, this really scares me without being laughed at, um, yeah. or, or people being mean to them. Uh, and I, I tried to keep, make that the core of everything we do, um, to remain friendly and kind and to always have this team, um, spirit. And I think that served really well in building something up, um, that has uh, really good core values that people are happy to, uh, say they're part of and happy to pass on to friends and family. Um, so word of mouth has obviously been great for growing the community. Uh, so I always put that as the number one most important reason on why we've grown and got um, to where we are now. Uh, but yeah, that has been a lot of hard work <laughs> behind mm. the scenes. Um, mm. And I, I remember in the beginning when I set it up, and uh, started running this community and started seeing its potential. It sometimes felt like I was swimming against the tide all the Mm. time and it's constant. It's just like endless challenges, uh, especially in the beginning that you're going to have setting up anything. You're going to get all these challenges that are thrown your way and they don't go away. But in time, you just learn how to problem solve really quickly and how to brush things aside and not take them personally um, and the same challenges will often repeat themselves. Um, so it does become easier. And I just feel like now I've got to a point that I'm not swimming against the tide. Yeah. And often I'm, uh, it's the other way. <laughs> I feel like yeah. I'm being swept along the tide and sometimes yeah. I'm trying to like slow it down a bit and, yeah. and rein myself in, which is, is great to, to have that, that switch. Uh, but yeah, I worked very hard. I um, learned everything I could about social media, about Uh, I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this well and smart. So I'm going to learn the best time to post, what to post. Um, I learned how to build a website, how to drive traffic to the website. Um, I did so many things, writing articles, going and giving talks, um, you know, anything I could think of, I tried and just chasing so many opportunities uh, and over time, all of those just were like each one was like a little brick that mm. you 
um, yeah. add to the pile. And then over time, suddenly you've got this, you've, you've built something, you've got mm. something that's solid and, and stands for something, which is great. Mm, definitely. So it's kind of focusing on just continuing to take very small steps in the right direction of travel. Kind of like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, and I say that often with, because, you know, people always saying, how do you do all these things? You know, now writing a book or uh, launching something or a new project, a new idea, I just throw myself um, into whatever it is. Uh, and people always ask, how do you do that? And I just say, you know, I've, I've had the experience of building something and seeing how it just comes down to committing and mm. then carrying out lots of small tasks that at the time feel pointless or like they're not worth it. But then when you look back, you realize that every single one of those were, were part of building it. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and that goes the same. You know, it's the same attitude on an adventure. Like you mm-hmm. don't start a, a thousand kilometer walk looking at a thousand kilometers. You just mm-hmm. look at the next tree or the next day. And it's just small steps in the right direction. Absolutely. And I think it's also that I think you touch on something that is um uh, yeah, I'm trained as a coach as well, and it always comes up in coaching is that the the doubting part of your head, the um, critical part of your head, all this, all those kind of unhelpful kind of thoughts around things are always going to be there. They're never going to go away. You're never going to get to a place where they completely go away. But what you just need to do is keep taking action in the right direction. And then by doing that, you gain the confidence because you see the fruition of, of your actions. And then that kind of gives you more um, substance to then go, actually, I got the confidence now to keep going because I know this is going to work out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's just that belief in yourself, yeah. belief in the system that it works. And often the end product looks very different to how I initially um, thought it would look mm, but it kind of doesn't matter it doesn't yes. matter because you do it and you yes. start to realize it's better to do something that looks slightly different than perfect than yes. to not do it at all and everything I've done has always uh, always leads on to something else which is great because you just don't know where it's going to take you so obviously the, the latest thing has been writing a book which um, was hugely scary for me and I had no idea what to expect from the process and uh, now I'm coming towards um, the end of that or the start of the end of that mm. now it's in the, the with the publishers um, it, I just know it's going to take me to places that I can't even imagine and so I'm excited to see where it takes me yeah definitely and it's I think it's it's um it's the power of experience, isn't it? It's the power of kind of the doing and then the reflecting on the doing to get the learning from it that then yeah. helps you to kind of move forward, if that yeah. makes sense, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Your avenues, I think, yeah, 100%. Um, and, I mean, you talk a lot as well, and you've already touched on it, um, around being a bit of a minimalist, you know, around actually how adventures helped you to kind of just declutter generally. Um, I wonder if you can, yeah, tell us a bit more about that. I mean, how is that kind, how does that show up at the minute for you in life? Yeah, yeah I, I love being a, a minimalist <laughs> and I often have to keep reminding myself because, uh, uh, so I was actually nomadic for a few years. So after the Israel hike, I spent three years um, working uh, on the move and yep. it's quite easy to be a minimalist when you can only carry a bag with you everywhere so that's your whole life 
Um, but now we've settled and we've got a house. It's very easy to start collecting things. <laughs> but I often say, like, if you're an adventurer or if you go on an adventure, um, you are a minimalist by default because you can't carry all your stuff with you. Um, and when we decided we would do the, the Israel hike, the first thing we had to do was uh, we left our flats, which meant we had to get rid of most of our stuff. And it was just an, an crazy process when we were living in a studio flat in, in Putney at the time. And I was like, well, if we're in a studio flat, surely we can't have much stuff. It was like the split level flat that we were in. Um, and it's just amazing when you start pulling things mm. from drawers how much stuff you have and you know you, you start looking in your kitchen cupboards and you've got this pasta maker and you're like god I brought that three years ago and I used it once like what a waste of 25 quid mm. <laughs> um and this just happens again and again and again and I just thought if I if I could swap all this like junk because really that's what it is and actually get the money back, we would be able to just go on this trip without having to worry about saving. Yeah. Um, so it really frustrated me that we'd wasted so much money. Uh, and um, we then obviously did the hike and then had this nomadic life for a few years. And I kind of realized how great it is not to have much stuff and not to mm. have to, to think about um yeah think about possessions all the time so I have a very different relationship to possessions now um I'm not emotionally attached to possessions um and uh, you know if they if I lose things if I if I break things um it doesn't bother me it doesn't upset me in the way that it, it used to I used to have like very sentimental items that I used to be quite um protective of and I just don't have that now uh and I really believe that if you have a deep decluttered um simple space that's kind of re re reflective in your head as well so I feel like I'm able to juggle so many things and uh, keep on top of my business um because I have a nice clear head but also because I have a nice clear space that I live in mm. so it feels quite calming quite relaxing um it also means I'm not spending my life tidying and cleaning and organizing um uh you know I have a, a seven and a half month old and when um if anyone we've obviously we've not had many visitors but the few visitors we had are always like you know how do you keep your house so clean I know because we don't have much stuff to clean mm. and it's not so much that it's tidy it's just there's not that much stuff mm. to keep it cluttered um so it definitely saves time um and it's a really holistic process so I would really recommend if anyone's um uh, interested in minimalism um the minimalists uh, is a website. It's a really good place to start. There are two guys that got rid of all of their stuff. And there's some really good articles on there on how to take the first steps or mm. processes you could try, mm. um, whether it's starting, you know, in your kitchen or in your wardrobe or in your bedroom, or you just pick one place and, and start from there. Mm, yeah. And I think, you know, one question I'm sure listeners are, are thinking is, um, has come back to make a living from what she's doing because I think you know so many of us dream of 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 doing what you're doing really yeah. you know actually being able to just follow our passions follow what we're interested in and um, you know bring that to others you know yes I think you know there's a lot of people yearning to do that but what holds them back is um fear and and also money really am yeah. I actually going to be able to to make a living from this so I mean you're really open on your website about mm -hmm 
about that aspect of of yeah. of what you've created. So I wonder if we could just yeah, if you could just talk us through yeah. around that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like you said, I've always been an open book with money and I'm quite happy to tell people how much I earn and how much um, I spend to maintain this lifestyle. And I think that's really um, important because I remember there was a point where I was looking at people like me thinking, oh my goodness, I want to do this. And they're, you know, on their social media saying, you can do this, just quit your job. And I'm like, yeah, but like how <laughs> like yeah, how do you yeah. actually earn a living from from doing this from pursuing your dreams and so I always said I would be completely honest I would quite happily share how I make my income in what ways and what my tips are to help other people reach there and I remember I've only a few times I've heard this that if you pursue um things you love that um uh you don't need to worry about money money will will happen like you'll end up making a living from it and I can kind of see that that does happen but they miss the part where you have to work quite hard to make it happen (laughs) (laughs) um but it is true that now I don't worry about money I don't think about money and I'm confident that um I have lots of different avenues I can try if ever something wasn't working um and I think that's because I've built myself a good foundation as I hate using the term influencer, but I don't really know (laughs) how else to describe public figure or influencer, however you want to describe it. Um, I have a social media account. I um, have been active. I've been a spokesperson. For me, it's all about adventure and outdoors and sometimes conservation as well. And having that platform is a really valuable thing that I can decide um, I want to give talks so I can up the amount of talks I give and earn a living that way. I can decide I want to do more writing so I can um, put out some pitches and, and get some writing work. Once you've got a bit of a name for yourself, it, it, it definitely becomes um, easier. Uh, and I have lots of different ways that I earn an income. I think that's really important if you work for yourself so that if something happens, you have the ability to um, put more effort into one pot and it doesn't all collapse. Um, the, the most important thing I should say when uh, I started out um, kind of changing my career, uh, so really it took me, I would say it took me about a year to 18 months. Uh, we, we left our jobs, um, hiked the length of Israel, and then had a, uh, a year ahead of us before we needed to go back to work um, because we had saved a lot of money. Uh, sold our possessions, put all that into savings. So we had a safety net. Mm. And within that year, I had, uh, we we carried on traveling and doing some adventures, but living very cheaply. Mm. Um, and by the end, I still had that that savings. We, we basically hadn't touched it because I'd earned the same amount that we had spent. Uh, so that was really vital in being able to take that step is just having those save, savings and having that safety safety net. Um, and then, yeah, trying loads of different things, like throwing everything at the wall, seeing what what works, what sticks, uh, and then doing more of that, basically. So yeah. most of my income now in normal times is running expeditions and trips. And yeah. uh, on top of that, I also give talks. I uh, do some writing. I earn a little bit of money from, from traffic from my website um, through affiliate links and advertising. Occasionally I do sponsors, sponsored posts or, or work with um, companies for sponsorship. Uh, so lots of different things, lots of different avenues. 
yeah um, and and it works it, it it all kind of comes together and, and keeps me afloat yeah but it's quite uh um it's turning it's turning work on its head isn't it because it's it sounds to me I mean in in healthcare um, we have this term like a portfolio career and um, it's mainly in for general mm. practitioners but um, and you know the thing I've always really liked about that idea and what it is you're describing is it's instead of it being the job in the center and then you on the periphery doing the job it's you in the center you know I always think about it like an umbrella you know the umbrella goes up and you've got the spokes but you're the umbrella you know you're the one who's driving mm. things and the spokes are all the things that you're choosing to do and they're all feeding into the same thing which is you yeah. <laughs> But yeah. it's it's a really different yeah. way of of, of mm. it's it's not the model of work that we're given when mm. we're for example at school or or when we're looking at others around us is it it's a different mm. model of of yeah looking at the livelihood or you know the working part of your life yeah that's a really nice way of describing it and it's um I I sometimes call it portfolio career as well because that's exactly what it is and it's um it's me or, or rather what I stand for which is yes. a spokesperson for adventure in the outdoors and then there's lots of different ways that I can then use that to um to to make money and earn um a living but I've got like my core values and uh what I stand for uh and it's it's really I find it a really fun way to work and it again it's it's much more suited to my my style of working or my personality because I used to get bored very easily and I find it very hard to concentrate on things for a really long period of time and this way my life is more about projects so I'll work on a project and then when I run out of steam I then move to something else and use a different part of my brain or a different skill and I find that keeps my um, flow of energy much better yeah yeah and it's a much more uh it sounds like it's a much more intuitive way of working mm, yeah yeah it is and it's also really fun and creative yeah. I can I can kind of you know think what do I want to do next or what am I really enjoying and kind of throw myself at that yeah that kind of more entrepreneurial mindset and mm. yeah and um, because one other hat that you also wear is is conservation is a big passion of yours as well so um I mean how did that has that always been there or is that something that's developed alongside the love of adventure so that's definitely not always been there and it's really funny because I'm so passionate about it now Mm. (laughs) I kind of forgot that I never used to think like this and I Mm. I can't remember what it was I think I was looking at photos the other day and we um it was photos from a few years ago maybe like six seven years ago and uh it was Christmas and I was just looking at all the crap I brought (laughs) Mm. and all the plastic and all the just I like I would never do it now I can think of anything worse than going to a shop and um just buying all this junk and uh you know wrapping it and uh in, in plastic and it's yeah I and I was like gosh that really wasn't so long ago and um look how far my thinking has come and it's totally just from getting outdoors being on adventures connecting with nature and it's impossible to not care when you spend all that time in nature and you see how wonderful it is and you spend time with wild animals and it's so painful to see the how much um our our actions and lifestyles are, are hurting that uh so yeah adventure's being completely responsible for my passion for conservation but it's it's a big part of 
um, who I am now and a big drive for what I do because I can recognize the more people that I get outdoors, the more future conservationists I'm, I'm you know, building and encouraging. Uh, and I try and do as much as I can as an individual, um, as well as, uh, you know, writing about it, into introducing conservation to my talks and trying to inspire others to think about um, changes they can make as well. Mm, yeah so it's kind of yeah exactly you see adventure and conservation as very much being mm, part, absolutely. Of, part of the same thing yeah. yeah well we can't get outdoors if it doesn't exist yeah. anymore so we really need to protect it and it's strange it's it's that idea again that when you go on an adventure or an expedition it just can completely change your way of thinking and it's it's so bizarre to me now <laughs> the way we've constructed life and the way we treat animals it's it's like it's horrific like uh even now I've got a baby I realize all our nursery rhymes every single book is about a farm animal and I was like why do we before we learn about animals living in the forest or in the wild do we learn about animals that live in cages that we that we basically use to feed us like um like it should be the other way around Mm -hmm. uh and yeah it's just it's just bizarre and I see I see things very very differently now and it's very hard to unsee things I guess Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm really hopeful that there will be big changes in the world of conservation soon yeah definitely and I think that's also the power of adventure I mean that's certainly from my own perspective that's something that I've noticed from going on adventures or long walks or long, you know, multi-day walks and things like that is that you, um, it just, uh, I've always thought of it kind of, it's a very strong image, but it kind of blows holes in your consciousness, in your awareness. It's almost like you go from being locked into a very kind of distinct, restricted way of thinking to suddenly you begin thinking in really, mm. really different ways. It's like it just becomes mm. so much more expansive. And, you know, um, and as you say, once that happens, you can't go back. To yeah, it's way. true. It's really true. And you start to, whereas before you just accept, you don't, you're not yes. raised to question everything. And then suddenly you start questioning everything. Yes. <laughs> and it's um, sometimes it's hard because I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I think very differently from a lot of people. Um, and so it, it can be quite frustrating sometimes. But you're right that there's definitely no going back. Mm. Um, but I wouldn't change that for anything yeah. because I think that's how you start making things better. That's how you really start to uh, improve the world is when you get people who start to question things and not just say, this is the way it's done. Therefore, I'm going to do it without any thought in the process. Absolutely. No, 100%. So, I mean, just thinking about then the the, the future in, in the biggest terms, I mean, you know, what what are your kind of some of your kind of hopes and dreams for the next kind of five years or so, you know, in terms yeah. of projects you're already involved in, but maybe new yeah. things as well. Where do yeah. you see things going? Wow, it's so it's so difficult to say. So uh, um, I tried this exercise maybe about a year and a half ago where I was like, right, I'm going to try and map out where I want to take things. And one thing I realized was everything has, I've got further than I ever imagined I would. And really that that's just down to self-limiting beliefs that I never thought I could have a successful blog that I would people would pay me to talk that I would be a published author that Love of Wild would reach thousands of people 
And, you know, that would that was like hype dream level of thinking. Remember when I started out, I was like, you know, I'd be really happy if, um, uh, you know, 500 people read my blog. Um, and, you know, now I've had hundreds of thousands of people read my blog. It's crazy. Uh, and so it's quite hard for me to think of the next stage because it's it's like, you know, what is the next stage? <laughs> like, what, mm. what do you do next? Where do you take that? Um, but for me, it's very important. Uh, so with Love for Wild specifically, I just want to make sure we keep remembering what we're about. And so I would just really like it if we can keep growing the local groups. We keep providing as many free meetups for hiking and, and wild swimming and camping as possible so that we reach as many women as possible. Um, uh, personally, I'd like to write more books. I've really enjoyed that. Uh, so I definitely have some more books in me. Um, and there's always going to be more adventures. They're so addictive. Mm. <laughs> uh, so there's definitely going to be more adventures on the horizon. And I have no idea what they are going to be or how they're going to look. But I do know that the next step is just learning how to adventure with a little one in time. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be different. But, you know, I've met so many incredible families who do take their kids on expeditions that you would think would be impossible with children but they make it happen so I'm determined to to be one of those families as well yeah definitely and that's it isn't it it's, it's as you are kind of moving into motherhood and parenthood and then mm. how that you incorporate that into to you know what you stand for already you know that's mm. obviously part of who you are now as well so um yeah so I mean unfortunately we're kind of getting um getting near the end of our podcast today um but I, you know, I just wonder, because I'm, I'm, I'm really sure some of our listeners are going to want to um, pick up on some of what we talked about today in terms of following following you. So what, what is the best way to kind of um, stay in touch, Bex? Um, so I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Uh, if you just um, search Bex underscore band, uh, you'll find me there. Any women listening should definitely go check out Love Her Wild. Um, so either loveherwild.com or um, Love Her Wild on Facebook. Um, so like I said, we have our main group, but then also see if you've got a local group near you that you could join, start getting involved in some of our adventures. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and your blog as well, it's online. Yeah, yeah yeah so also if you um if you go um to bexband.com um that will send you to the blog um and you can read my musings <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think one thing i can definitely um uh, vouch for as well is, is bex's blog is very different because what you're very um able to do is you talk a lot about your experiences but you also distill out of those experiences what you've learned from it and I think that's not always the case with blogs actually so it's um there it's 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 a real that's a real strength of your blog I think isn't oh, it is that you're, you. you're discerning yeah. this yeah you're discerning the the learning from it and the wisdom from it you know and mm. how you've taken that forward so um yeah. yeah I would definitely recommend checking out checking oh out, thank you um, very much <laughs> yeah no 100 percent, 100 percent. um but I wonder just on that no I mean you know we've dotted around so many different things uh, today you know but I wonder if you were to leave you know, leave me and leave our listeners today with, you know, I guess your 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 kind of your final few pearls of wisdom or what what you know the last four or five years have been such a massive journey mm. for you. Mm. I mean, you could distill it down to two or three kind of lessons or bits of advice maybe mm. for anybody out there who's even just thinking, 
I just want to get outside more. I want to have an adventure or even I want to start a side hustle. I want to be more entrepreneurial. I mean, what, what, what advice would you give? So definitely going back to those small steps um, and don't get, don't get fixated on the end goal. So I decided I wanted to write a book. My ideal was that the biggest publishers in the world would, would publish it. It would be an international bestseller. It would make me millions of pounds. So that's your ideal. (laughs) And then I very much know that, um, that that's not going to happen, um, or unlikely to happen. Um, but that it doesn't matter that as long as I am taking the steps in the, in the right direction. So I started those steps, which was getting a first draft together, putting a proposal together, contacting literary agents. Actually, even before that was just learning how the publishing world works. Mm-hmm. And in the back of my head, I had already accepted that if it doesn't get published, I'm going to self-publish. And while my my preferred option was being published, um, I knew that um, it would be fine if it's self-published. And, and I know authors who've made huge successes and had um, amazing things come off the back of self-publishing books. Um, So I didn't worry about the outcome too much. I just knew that I wanted to write a book. And so I started taking those steps, even if it's just sending an email, doing a little bit of research, um, posting on your Facebook, I'm writing a book, because if you start telling people, it becomes um, much harder to Mm -hmm. step away from it. Um, So whatever that is that you're thinking, in my dream world, I would be running a blog. I would be, you know, learning how to make jewelry. I would be, um, wh- whatever it is, you know, going on an adventure to start taking the steps that are heading in the direction that you want to go. Otherwise you will become stagnant and you won't go anywhere. Um, and the, the other thing that I think is really important is I've talked about these big adventures I, I've gone on and I recognize I'm incredibly privileged. Um, I was in uh, a privileged situation that I had a job that, that, um, that I could save, both me and my partner could save um, money so that we could then take a year out to go on this, on our first big adventure. And also that I have family that I knew that worst case scenario, I could uh, like go and live with them for a few months while I got back on my feet. Um, So very, very privileged being that situation. And at the time I didn't have um, a baby to think about as well. Uh, But actually I've come to realize that while those big adventures are great, uh, what matters more is finding time um, in nature on a daily basis as much as possible. And, you know, COVID times has really uh, helped kind of cement that, Mm. that it's, uh, you know, fantastic that I get to go, how lucky that I get to go to Israel for two months to to do hiking or to America for three months to do a big kick scooter challenge or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, super amazing, super incredible experiences. But what really counts is going for a quiet walk after lunch in the local woods, just having a bit of breathing time. Um, it's a form of meditation. It's a chance just to reset. And it's a day-to-day life that really matters to your well-being and um, to, yeah, to your quality of life, basically. Mm-hmm. So don't get set on the fact that you can't, maybe you can't do big adventures, therefore you're never going to have this this big change. And just focus on um, making your day-to-day life the best it can be. And one way I, I look at this is um, 
you know, I, I always say, what would my dream life look like? And I often think, oh, do you know what? I'd love to be on a retreat in Indonesia. I did a retreat in Indonesia a few years back <laughs> and was like, oh, I wish my life was like this. And then I was like, why? And I was like, do you know what? It was such small things. I loved waking up and having just the most amazing smoothie bowl breakfast. I love that there were always candles on, that there was a really nice relaxing space that we did yoga every day. And I realized there's, there's no reason for me not to have this in my life. So I have a really ridiculous um, over the top smoothie bowl breakfast every day. And it brings me so much joy. Like don't wait to be on a retreat, just bring that retreat into your life. And it's the same with anything that's going to make you feel like you are living your best life and a really good quality of life. Um, and I think doing those little things um, just make you happy. And then when you're happy, uh, it's easier to pursue things you love and it's easier to find yourself on, on the track to success and the life that's on your terms, whatever success looks like. Um, you know, it doesn't mean becoming a you know, leader of a big community for, for everyone. Everyone's idea of success is different. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. No, 100%. 100%. I think, um, yeah, very wise words. <laughs> and really, I think what's so powerful, though, about what you've just said as well is, is it's thinking outside the box, isn't it? Mm. You know, it's it's like what you said about the retreat. It's actually going yeah. On. this isn't you know about this external thing all of this I can I can do and that's empowering isn't it whenever you realize that you can create that for yourself at home yeah yeah it is and uh you only have one life it's really yeah. true so just live it to the best um it can be and rather than I have such an attitude now rather than wanting things all the time or if something makes me jealous I I think you know why why am I jealous? Like, what do they, does this person have that I want? Mm -hmm. And then um, is there a way I can bring that into my life? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm always working, always working to, to make things better. And yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah. Living the best life we can. <laughs> That's it. It's the mindset of abundance rather than lack, mm. isn't it? Absolutely. It's, yeah. Oh, I could speak for a lot longer, <laughs> but I just want to say a huge, sincere thank you for joining me today, Bex. It's been a really, really inspiring conversation oh, for, for me and for our listeners. And yes, thank, thank you. you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it.